all stand for God's word. We're reading of God's word. We are reading from Luke 22:39-71. Prayer in the Garden. He went out and made his way as usual to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he told them, Pray that you may not fall into temptation. When he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, about a stone's throw, knelt down and began to pray. Father, if you're willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from God, sorry. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Being in an in anguish, he prayed more fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he got up from prayer and came to the disciples. He found them sleeping, exhausted from, from their grief. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. While he was still sleeping, suddenly a mob came and one of the twelve named Judas was leading them. He came near Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those around him saw what was going to happen, they asked, Lord, should we strike with a sword? With a sword? Then one of them struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear, his right ear. But Jesus responded, No more of this. And touching his ear, he healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, temple police, and the elders who, came, who had come for, for him. Have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a criminal? Every day while I was with you in the temple, you never laid a hand on me. But this is your hour and the dominion of darkness. They seized him, led him away, and brought him into the high priest's house. Meanwhile, Peter was following at a distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, and Peter sat among them. When a servant saw him sitting in the light and looked closely at him, she said, This was what this man was with him too. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. After a little while, someone else saw him and said, You're one of them too. Man, I am not, Peter said. But about an hour later, another kept insisting, this was certainly with him, since he was also a he's also a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Immediately, immediately while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, Today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. The men who were holding Jesus started mocking and beating him. After blindfolding him, they kept asking, Prophesy, who was it that hit, hit you? And they were saying many other blasphemous things to him. 
When daylight came, the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the scribes, convened and brought him before their their Sanhedrin. They said, If you are the Messiah, tell us. But he said to them, If I do tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. They all asked, Are you then the Son of God? And he said to them, You say that I am. Why do we need any more testimony, they said, since we've heard it ourselves from his mouth. Let us all be seated. Praise God. That was a lot of reading, wasn't it? But that is what Jesus went through for us. And um, the only thing he wanted you to do was listen and stand up for a few minutes. So praise God. Please join me in another word of prayer. Father, we thank you for another day that you have given to us. Another day to praise you. Another day to worship you. Another day and another opportunity for us to learn more about your will and your ways for us. We ask you now, Lord God, that you send your Holy Spirit, to guide us and to teach us, to open the eyes of our hearts, Lord God, and give us humility in order for us to understand and accept whatever it is that you want us to learn today. Bless my preparations, Lord God, but please do override it. Let you and you alone speak to your people this evening. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Praise God. Amen. Don't you... uh, Love seeing each other again in the same building? No? All right. That's all right, too. <laughs> we practice grace. <laughs> no, praise God. It's um, it's a joy. It's a joy for me to see the building open again. It was a joy for me that God decided through His people to reopen the church once again. And we are still complying with the six feet distancing. The one thing that we're not complying with is the limit. Okay? But if anybody needs to get in trouble, it's me. You point the fingers to me, okay? Um, We're going to wrap up our series, Knowing God in Trying Times. I entitled our message tonight with an oxymoron, Victory and Defeat. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I remember growing up watching um, ABC used to have this, and it, it, it was broadcasted in the Philippines. It's the ABC Sports, ABC Worldwide of Sports. And the, it's so dramatic. The beginning is so dramatic. I always remember this last part, the agony of defeat. And there's this, this skier that just falls flat on his face after he makes a, a, a jump. And I was, I, it always flustered me as, as a kid. I'm like, oh man, that's so embarrassing. Imagine the whole world watching you and then you're going to lose and you fall straight on your face. There, the, it says there the 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 uh, it, the joy of victory and then the agony of defeat. That's their line. So dramatic. It worked. It worked for me. But the victory and defeat. How can there be victory and defeat? Right? How can there be victory and defeat? And and what we just read, what we just heard, is Jesus surrendering his right, surrendering his life, in order. 
for us to be victorious. In order for us to be victorious in, in, in sin, with our sin, it always pays for us believers, for the whole world, to always be reminded of what Christ has done for us. Amen? Amen. And then again, as we're going to wrap up our series in knowing God, but we're never going to stop trying to know God in this church. Amen. I don't think there'll be enough. Even, even when we're in heaven, we're going to still continue to know about God. We just, we just read about the, God's agony in the garden. We just read about a betrayal that happened to him. And we just heard one of his best friends during his time denying him. The insults that were thrown his way other than the, the punches and everything else that we can imagine that was given to our Lord. In order for him to obey his Father's will. In order for him to obey his Father's will. He suffered as he followed, as he obeyed. He suffered because he surrendered. He surrendered his life. He was willing to be defeated as the world saw it in order for us to be victorious again from the consequences of our sins. So tonight we have three points. Surrendered. I have it surrendered to his will, but it won't fit in the screen properly. So I just put surrendered. Second point is life's a party with a question mark. And then third, Jesus is everything. To our first point, we're going to tackle verse 42. Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. This has been my one of my life's verses. Life verse. As I continue to, to walk in this life that God has preordained for me, that he has chosen for me. At first, I'm not going to lie, I think I've said it many times, that I saw it as a big burden huge burden because it's a heavy road to take right not to overvalue myself or anything it's just i'm just being really honest i mean who who here wants to be a pastor too <laughs> please raise your hand and we'll probably look into your application <laughs> i never if you do i never did plan i never it was not in my bucket list to do it was not in my, you know, when they asked, oh, what do you, how do you see yourself 20 years from now? It was never faster. Action star was in there. <laughs> Anything else that the world was saying, I had it in my list, but not a pastor. But this, this should be every believer's prayer. I believe this is how we all end our prayers. At least this is how we are taught to end our prayer. Yet not my will, Lord, but let your will be done. But I don't know how much, how much, how many of us do we really mean it? How much of it do we really mean when we say, Lord, I really need your help with my husband. I really need him to change. I really need him to not be lazy. I really need your help here. But let, let not my will, Lord, but let your will be done. Does it come from a nose? Right? Because we don't really want to say it, but then, man, we're like compelled to say it because that's the right way, way to pray. Like, I hope you don't say it like a magic spell because it's not going to work, right? It's not going to work. It's a real conversation with God 
prayer is a real conversation with God. And prayer is always ended with the acceptance that we are not God. Amen? That in that conversation, our wants will not be what will stand if it's not according to our God's will. Most frustrating part of the prayer, isn't it? That's the most frustrating part. But in prayer, just like what we read there earlier, Jesus commanded, Jesus told his disciples, pray lest you fall into temptation. What temptation? What temptation? I, my son was good to remind me that we've been, what, six months in this lockdown, in this quarantine thing since March? Six months. Most of us are ready to give up, correct? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Most of us are ready to give up because a lot of it doesn't make sense anymore, correct? <sighs> and then the prayer that Jesus is saying here, many of it, of course, when you're praying and you're asking for God to help you with anything, mainly, number one, is that you don't fall into temptation. What temptation is, is that? Whatever it is that is causing you or is what, what you're seeing that's going to cause you to stumble in your relationship with God. Whatever that may be. And for me, for me, is this, to give up. To give up. To give up in the walk that God has given me. To give up in the calling that God has called me. Because, folks, it's so much easier to give up. Amen? <laughs> you might agree silently or might not disagree. You might be disagreeing silently uh, in your own seats. But Sunday after Sunday, you folks have the option if you're going to be here. Correct? I don't have that option. I don't think... I think I think you're right to say, Joe, that's unbecoming of a pastor if you tell me I'll try to make it on a Sunday. But some of you, that's how you respond to me. I'll see you Sunday. I'll try. <laughs> I'll give you another oxymoron line. It's a definitely maybe. <laughs> definitely maybe I'll be there on a Sunday. It's so much easier to give up. It's so much easier to run away. Don't you agree? That's why 50% or maybe higher now of, of marriages end up in divorce. Because it's easier, so much easier to give up and maybe with the thinking, romanticizing the fact that, oh, I can start fresh with a new guy. The perfect guy. The guy that will say the right things, do the right things, and look 10 times handsomer than my husband. Oh, if I could just restart with this girl who's so patient, very understanding, and good-looking, and plus she's still an eight on my scale. So much easier to, to end it than to what? Pray and say, Lord, help me stay in this marriage with this difficult person. Help me, Lord, be patient. Help me, give me, give me. Because remember, we, we've discussed many times, many, many months ago, 
many messages ago where we talked about the fruits of the Spirit. One of the fruits of the Spirit is long-suffering, patience, correct? Now, you don't produce that. That's our biggest mistake if we think we can produce the fruits of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces it in us if we're walking closely with Him. Now, how can you walk closely with Him if you, like the disciples, would always fall asleep instead of praying? We've made fun of it many times where we use prayer as a sleeping aid. Just like with our Bible reading. It knocks us out. That's the time when, that, when we fall asleep. But when we're watching Netflix, all attention. Why Eyes wide open. When we're doing Facebook, oh my gosh, the details. We know it. We know what, what uh, commands to push. Not show Pastor Joe. Do not show him, show her. Okay here, not okay there. But when it comes to Bible verses, when it comes to reading, please turn your Bibles to Exodus 30. Right? Exodus, New Testament, Old Testament. Right? We don't know, but then we're quick to, to, we know Instagram, we know social media, we know technology, but we don't know the Bible, which we say, especially for the Christians, we say, I believe in God, and I believe that the Bible is God's Word. But how much of that do we take? And we do. We talk about quiet time. You know, your our daily bread, I counted. I timed it. Two minutes. Your daily bread reading, two minutes. If you're a slow reader, because you're reading another thing on your Facebook while you're reading, maybe 20 minutes before you get through it. For us to really say, not my will, Lord, but let your will be done, your understanding of who God is must be pristine. It must be at the up and up because you cannot truly surrender to God if you don't really know everything about Him. Because we discussed it many weeks, many Sundays ago, a couple Sundays ago, that when you know God, you trust God. When you know God, you become prayerful. And then you end your prayer with a full trust. Yet, I don't know any better, Lord God. But you do. You're all knowing. I don't know anything. So Lord, please take control. That's my request. But let your will be done. Everybody knows Romans 8.28. At least maybe some. And we know that in all things, recite it. God works for the good of those who love Him. Those who are called according to His purpose. What's 29? I'll, I'll, I'll help you. For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to be like His Son. What is God's will for us? For us to be happy? For us to be millionaires? Like that song says, I want to be a millionaire. For us to be retired early? For us to be retired in the place that we want to be? For us to acquire all the material things in the world? God's will is that for us? That we, that we live happily ever after? That we acquire all the things that the world tells us to acquire? No, God's will is that we become like His Son. 
Now we just read, we just read the, the last few moments of Jesus Christ before he went to the cross. And what did he go through? He went through agony in his prayer. He knew what he was going to go through because he read the word. He knew what he was going to go through in the cross. That the beating that he's going to get, he will not be recognized on how bad it will be. Folks, I know we're going through this coronavirus and big uncertainty and, and biggest in our, our politics is so unstable. I know it's bothersome. I do. I feel, I feel it with you. But let's not overplay that and forget what our Christ has gone through for us. To the, the point that we make our lives more so about making our lives here better than being than becoming like Jesus Christ. Again, in this church, this is where we know Christ. And then consequently, as we know Jesus Christ, we want to become like Him. Because that is God's will. Romans 8.29 Now, I, I, don't want, I don't want you guys to show your hands, but I, I just... I just just like you, I've been lied to before, where some preachers have said that the reason why we're saved is that we will live a good life now. I even have the book. I bought the book. Live your best life now. How can, your, how can this be our best life now? If Jesus has told us that in this life we will have trouble. In this life, we will have trouble. That's this verse. John 16, 31 to 33. This is our second part. Life's a party. Is life a party? I included 31 and 32 here because so that you will see the full context of verse 33. Do you now believe, this is Jesus before he went through what we just read, what Anna Lou just read. This is, this is the event before that. Do you now believe, Jesus replied, a time is coming, in fact, has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. If you are not having peace because of what's going on in the world, you're just a very logical person. You're a very reasonable person. You're a normal human being. But as a Christian, despite the trouble that we are in, we are told that in Jesus Christ, we will have peace. Amen? Because our guarantee and our certainty and our security does not is not given in this world. What we're told that we're going to get in this world is trouble. It's trouble. Jesus showed us in what we read earlier in the beginning two things. The importance of prayer. Right? The importance of prayer. I have to ask you, and you have to answer on your own time. 
How much praying are you doing, believer? How much praying are you doing? And how much of His Word are you reading? And trying to really study, not just read so you can go on with your day. Let me get through this. I need to go to work. I'm late. I need to go through this before I buy this stock. <laughs> right? We, we, we have to be sincere in our prayer. We have to be sincere. And then the second thing is, we saw that despite the trouble that Jesus was facing or was going to face, He still trusted His Father. He still trusted His Father. Despite the excruciating pain that He was going to face, He still yielded. He yielded. He gave way to God's will, folks. That is what Christians do. That is what Christians do, folks. You know, during the time of Spurgeon, there was a pandemic that broke out too. Guess what Charles Spurgeon did? He stayed in his room. No, he didn't. He went out. He went to see his sick congregants. He touched them, even though he was told not to touch them. He prayed over them. He helped them. The Christians helped during the Black Plague. When everybody else was running away from the plague, the Christians charged in so that they can help the people that were suffering. That's what Christians do because we are not afraid to die. Because we know that this body will die, but we're going to go to heaven anyway. But how about us? How about us? We're so afraid to die because we got a retirement coming up. <laughs> Our portfolio is growing. This is not the time to go. I still have to cash it into my United Airlines ticket. <laughs> is life a party? Is life a party? Jesus is betrayed and arrested. Was his life a party? What are you going through? Have you, I mean... Betrayal. Look at this. Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? With a kiss. Isn't that... How can you be betrayed with a person you do not care about? You can't. You can't be betrayed by a person that you're not close with. You can't be betrayed by a person you never told your secrets to. You can't be betrayed to a, with a person that you were never vulnerable with. You can't. You can only be betrayed with the people you love. You can only be betrayed and disappointed by, pe by people whom you spent hours with and became vulnerable to. And you revealed yourself to them. Betrayal comes from those folks. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if you'd be a, a victim of betrayal. I don't know whatever heartache you're going through. But folks, if Jesus was betrayed and we want to become like Jesus, Jesus is making us feel a little bit of what He felt during that evening. Imagine Judas Iscariot traded Jesus for 30 silver coins. 30 silver coins. I know if you were trans to translate it now, it's probably a lot of money. But we are to ask ourselves, 
How much have we betrayed Jesus for? What business transactions did we get into that we weren't supposed to get into, but we betrayed him because we needed the money? What kind of relationships did you get into, even though we know that God told us that we are not to yoke with unbelievers? But, oh Lord, but he was good looking. My Lord, she just was really above average. Saved by grace, right? And Lord, it's a $10,000 deal. It's a $30,000 deal. It's a million dollar deal. The significance of the kiss, the significance of the kiss, I believe, is you will only kiss someone that you, you're really close with, right? Hopefully. <laughs> I know the, the society has changed, right? But the, the, the kiss is a show of affection. Many of us, we say a lot of words. We say a lot of things. Many of us, we portray and we do words and deeds of affection to Jesus Christ, but our lives betray Him. Or our hearts betray Him. We say we love Jesus, but not in our offering. <laughs> that stays in my bank, Lord. That's the only way I'm going to be happy, because you love a cheerful giver. I'm happy when I have money in the bank. I can only be cheerful if I don't give to you. We say we love Jesus. We say we, we, we even wear the shirt. We, we have many shirts in our dresser, in our closet, that says, go and make disciples of all nations. That we say, I belong to Christ. But how many people have you shared Jesus to, Jesus with? How do you actually really live your life at your workplace? Do they really see a Christian in your school? Do they really see Christ in your life? How about the time when Peter denied Jesus? Peter was so hot. You know, he was a hot-head guy. He was the... Dude of dudes, men of men. He was rough and he was tough. Somebody was messing with Jesus. He pulled out his sword, cut the dude's ear. Enough of this, Lord. Off with his ear. That was Peter. But then when women came to him and asked him, You were with him. No, I'm not. Three times. I told the prayer warriors this. The lesson with that, the lesson with that, with, with Peter denying Jesus, is that Peter is scared of little girls. <laughs> Sometimes the things that we, we backed away from, or the people that we back away from, don't, they don't have to be intimidating. When we have to deny Jesus, the situation doesn't even have to be intimidating. It's just where our heart is. When our heart is not in the right place, it's quick and easy to deny Jesus because our love, our hearts, we're loving more, we're loving ourselves more than we're loving Christ. We want to preserve our reputation. 
We want to preserve our, our relationship with our brother or our sister here that are not believers, our relatives, our friends. We want to preserve that. That means more to us than losing them if we share Jesus to them. I don't want to sound so fanatic with them. Might lose them. I want to keep drinking. I want to keep partying with them because you know, I, mean, I don't want to hang out with those guys at church. Have you seen them? They're boring. I want to keep my friends here. This is where the cool guys hang out. I don't want to lose business because I proclaim God's name. You know, Psalm 116.11 echoes Romans 3 and 4. Psalm 116.11 reads, In my alarm I said, All men are liars. That's the psalmist. And Paul in Romans, he said, Let God be true and every human being a liar. A liar. We either betray Jesus or we deny Jesus. We can, we can hide it very well, quite well with our Christian brothers and sisters because we don't do it here. But what matters more is our lives from Monday to Saturday. Correct? Monday to Saturday. That's what truly matters. Because out there is where we truly are doing the work. Here we're praising God. We're worshiping Him. For everything that He has done for us throughout the week. We learn more about Him. We ask for forgiveness. We repent. Here we regroup here. This is our locker room. And then we say as we close, on three. Jesus on three. <laughs> we say it loud, but then when we get there, oh man, butterflies come. There's a camp shirt that Suzanne a 13-year-old girl named Suzanne, was wearing in the camp, during camp. It was says, go and make disciples of all nations. She wanted it so bad, it didn't matter if it was $20. She begged her mom for her to buy it for her. So the mom bought it, got the shirt. She wore it, took pictures with it. After camp, takes the shirt off and puts it in her drawer, never to be seen again. Two months later, the mom asked Suzanne, Suzanne, how is that shirt that I bought for you at camp? Oh, it's still in my, my dresser. Why, do you need it? The mom goes, no. I'm wondering, how much of that Bible verse in your t-shirt have you actually lived out? She goes, I just didn't really care about the verse. I just wanted the shirt. How many of us just wanted the t-shirt? How many of us just wanted the church membership? I can tell you that I only get phone calls at times or text messages sometimes when there is a need, a prayer need from people that I haven't seen for the longest time. Hi, Pastor. How you doing? Hey, how you doing? Good. Go. Oh, can you pray for me because I'm, buy I'm buying a new car. I want to make sure it's the right decision. <laughs> okay, you got it. I only hear from them. This is just me. I only hear from them when they need something. And that's fine. 
How about you and God? Does He only hear from you when you need something? When everything is good and well, everything is well and good, no need to bother Jesus. He's probably busy with some other people. <laughs> you know, they, they always say this. It's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. Right? It's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. Folks, God is so good to remind us. God is so good to remind us that we must, He must be our everything. He must be our everything, even our dedication to Him. Peter wept bitterly because he professed with all his might, with all his strength, and he probably really meant it. He probably really meant it that when he said, Over my dead body, Lord. I will not let anyone hurt you over my dead body. But it only took two girls and another man for him to deny Jesus. How many of us have said, over my dead body, Lord, you are my Lord. My old self is gone, the new has come. How many of us have recited Galatians 2.20? How many of you have a Bible verse on your cars to proclaim that you belong to God? But how many of us have really lived up to the profession? The commitment part of becoming like Christ is heavy. We all know, or for most of us, we know that, yes, Peter denied Jesus three times here. But then when the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples, Peter, after many years, became, became one of the most strongest believers, strongest in the faith, in the world. And he was crucified upside down. Upside down because he said, I am not worthy to die like my Lord has died. If you need to crucify me, crucify me upside down. No more denying Jesus. And he did die. He did die for the Lord. He lived for the Lord and died for the Lord. Us folks were being asked. Nobody's being asked to be crucified here. Did I show a verse ever? That we're going to be crucified. Who wants to be crucified on December 23? Oh. We're always asked by the Lord to live for Him. Live for Christ. Becoming like Christ for us is to live for Him. And living for Him is denying ourselves of many things that the world is telling us. That is good. Come get this. This is good. This is how you need to live. Whenever we make something else or someone else more important than Jesus, it will lead to weeping and heartache and tears. Our profession of love, devotion, commitment to Jesus will sooner, sooner or later will be tested in ways that we won't like, in ways that won't make sense to us. Like risking your lives coming to this church right now, according to the CDC. 
But you know, if you were good, but if you were sitting down like you are now, in a restaurant, you don't really actually have to wear your mask. Because how can you eat, right? But in the church, you need to be sitting down. Because we found out that in restaurants, the, the, the virus doesn't travel when you're sitting down. It only travels when you're standing up. <laughs> but on churches, <laughs> no, this is a true story. <laughs> is that what we're told? Mask all the time, but on restaurants, when you're sitting down, you can take it off. It's safe. <laughs> there is a point of the mask. There is. Um, what was my point? A lot of things doesn't make sense in this world. But we're just so happily to we're just so happy to accept it. If it satisfies our preference, we're quick to accept it. Don't go to church, it's not safe. Okay, that's it. Good. Joe doesn't have to bug me. <laughs> Praise God. I don't have to go to church anymore. <laughs> I only have to be on Facebook now. I, I never really had any fights. You know, I never had anybody fight over a spot. The whole time we had limits? Really? I was really surprised because I really thought this church really loves Christ. I thought I'd be having like, I have to turn people down like, I'm sorry, man, we already met the 50. I, no, I, I didn't have to turn anybody away. <laughs> I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, I struggled getting RSVPs. <laughs> Much more people fighting over it. Why is that? Why is our profession loud but our lives on the minimum? Do you guys know about Robert Jaffrey? Robert Jaffrey was a great preacher and missionary. He was the heir to the Toronto um, um, newspaper. It's called the Globe and Mail. He was the heir to it. To his father's dismay, Robert Jeffrey became a Christian when he turned 16. And he wanted to be a missionary. So the father was so mad about it. And he told his son, I will not support your mission. I will only support the fear of you coming back from China. But despite that warning from his dad, he took it. He became a missionary in China for 35 years. He was imprisoned. From 1942 to 1945 in a Japanese prison camp in Asia. He wanted to live in Asia because his heart was in Asia. That's where he served the Lord. The Standard Oil Company heard about Robert Jaffrey, that he can speak fluent Chinese. So they wanted to hire him. They sent him letters, a couple of letters, saying, we will pay you money. He did not reply to the first letter. Second letter came from Standard Oil Company. They said, we will double. They doubled their offer from the first offer. He still didn't reply. The third, they sent a telegram with one line. At any price. At any price. Imagine. If you guys got that offer at any price, I'll pay you $100 per hour on a Sunday. But you have to work from 5 to 12. Well, I guess I have to go to Crosspoint in the morning. <laughs> I guess I could just watch the video later. 
And man, it's 150 per hour, 95 per hour. We're quick, right? But look, listen, at any price was the offer to Robert Jaffrey. He wrote them back with one line as well. He said, your salary is big, but your job is too small. Your salary is big, but your job is too small. He turned it down and he continued to live for the Lord. He turned down a good paying job. He turned down his inheritance from his father so that he could live for the Lord. Jesus must be our everything. Paul got it. Paul said, this is from, uh, this is the, this is an easy reading version. Philippians 3, 7 to 11. At one time, all these things were important to me. But because of Christ, I decided that they are worth nothing. Not only these things, but now I think that all things are worth nothing compared with the greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of Christ, I lost these things. And now I know that they are all worthless trash. He's talking about his accolades. He's talking about his accomplishments apart from Christ. All I want now is Christ. I want to belong to Him. In Christ, I am right with God. But my being right not comes from the law. It comes from God through faith. God uses my faith in Christ to make me right with Him. All I want is to know Christ and the power that raised Him from death. I want to share in His sufferings and be like Him even in His death. And there is hope that I myself will somehow be raised from death. Folks, have you known Jesus in this same magnitude? Or do you even try to desire, do you even desire to know Christ, even half of this magnitude? <sighs> Complacency, being comfortable, and being complacent does not grow anybody whether it's in business or any, any relationships, if you become complacent, you are not going anywhere, but possibly on the way down. It is not any different with the Lord. We cannot be just satisfied. Oh, I'm saved by grace now. I'm good. I can continue to live my sinful ways. I don't have to change. The doctrine of grace says that I don't have to do anything to stay saved. But the doctrine of grace tells us, right, that we are saved by grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, right? It is not of our works, but it is a gift of God. So that no one can boast. Now verse 10 says, well, we are to do good works, right? That good works were planned before, beforehand. We are saved to do good works. We are saved by grace and we are saved to do good works. We are to show the change. A Christian a person that is really enlightened by the Holy Spirit 
will show proof of the Holy Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit will manifest in that person's life. If that person is walking ever so closely with the Holy Spirit. Pray lest you fall, Jesus told his disciples. But then what did they do? They went back to sleep. We're going to end with this one here. Jesus mocked and beaten. The men who were holding Jesus started mocking and beating him. After blindfolding him, they kept asking, Prophesy, who was it that hit you? And they were saying many other blasphemous things to him. Look at verse 66 here. They said, if you are the Messiah, verse 67, they said, if you, if, they said, if you are the Messiah, tell us. But he, Jesus, told them, if I do tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. Folks, if you have been sharing Jesus to your loved ones, to your friends, to people, but they are not believing you, and they continue to ask for proof, evidence, and all that sort. No matter what you do, no matter what you give, if a person's heart is closed, if they are not quickened by the Holy Spirit, they will not see Jesus standing in front of them. Jesus said, even if I raise the dead, you will not believe me, which is what he did. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He raised that little girl from the dead. He raised himself from the dead. But yet, a lot of people still did not believe him. So it's not the lack of evidence, or it's not the lack of proof that makes people deny Jesus. It's their heart. They want to continue to stay in their sinful ways, and they would rather be the, the Lord of themselves than have Jesus as their Lord. That's the plain and honest truth. But us knowing God should not stop us. Us knowing God should not stop us from for living for the Lord and sharing the Lord. Amen? Knowing God, the real God, compels one to many truths about God. And mainly the truth about Jesus. And the reason why He came down from heaven to die on the cross for your sins and mine. Knowing God and learning from Him directly on how Jesus lived during His final moments before the cross brings us to see that we can trust Jesus. Brings us to see that Jesus trusted His Father with His complete dependency on Him and lived out in full obedience despite, the, despite facing death. We saw that Jesus prayed a lot. Every after a successful ministry, or an after successful ministry, Jesus prayed. And we are to pray too. Or else we can easily give up in this life, in, in this life that we're living in. We're also told that this life that we're living in, trouble will come our way. But in Christ, we have peace. Are you in Christ? If your answer is yes, then know that you have peace in Him. 
Knowing God during trying times not only helps us to get through it, but guarantees us this, that we're going to be okay because God will sustain us. Amen? He will sustain us. Because everything that He says He's good for, He's good with His promises. And all His promises will be done because He's powerful. His power does not make logical sense to us. He multiplied five fish and two breads. Did I get that the other way around? It's a 5,000, 7,000. His math is different. He turned water into wine. He resurrected from the dead. He's powerful. He's faithful. And He loves us. He loves us. He loves you to the point that He died for your sins. What is holding you, for those of you who have not accepted Jesus as your Lord, what is holding you from doing that? And for those of us who have, have accepted Jesus as our Lord, what's holding you for living for Him? 100%. Not just on Sundays. What's holding you back? Let go of that. Because God is a jealous God. He will make sure that sooner or later, that thing or that person that you're holding on to, that's preventing you from completely living for Him, He will challenge. Amen? That's a fair warning. The Creator of the universe loves you. The Creator of the universe made so many promises for us. I pray that we will trust Him as we continue to know Him. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your message tonight. We ask, Lord, that you remind us, remind us, you remind us of whatever it is that you wanted us to learn tonight. Help us, Lord God, to change. Help us, Lord, to live out in our lives the, the lessons that we have learned tonight. Father, we pray that you continue to protect your people. I pray, Lord God, that you protect the people that are here this evening from any harm or danger, from any virus, Lord God, from any trouble. I pray, Father God, that your voice will be heard in our hearts and in our minds when trouble is bothering us, when we're losing our peace, Father. Help us to be reminded that we have peace in you because we have you. Father, I pray for everyone's needs this evening. Please, Lord God, Lord God, come to their aid. Meet their needs, Lord God. Comfort those who are who have broken hearts, Lord God. Heal those who are sick. Lord God, restore broken relationships. And Father, encourage those who are discouraged. Meet the needs of your people, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen.